You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Yes, but then, I've been something literally for five years is coming. But then you would tell me it's not coming home. I was only joking. Oh, okay. Understandable. And I never didn't believe. Of course. Of course. Never didn't believe completely in Garasevke. Of course. Always told me he's, he's the thing best man. Alexander Arnold. <laughs> now I'm all on the Jordan train. Oh, of course. It's all about Jordan Henderson now becoming the first ever Englishman to lift the European Cup, the Champions League, the uh, Premier League, um, the uh, Super Cup, and the Club World Cup. He'll be the only Englishman who's ever done that, Ed. The Super Cup, really? Yeah. Remember we beat uh, Chelsea for the Super Cup. Which was oh that okay yeah 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 that was that was the year you beat us Champions League versus Europa yeah. League one yeah 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 that one <laughs> that one you know that one the big one as they call it the big one you're all big when you're with Liverpool ah. <laughs> uh, so yeah I mean Jordan Henderson's basically become uh, become like the most successful English player ever oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to argue against that. <laughs> it's all about it's all about Hindo, bro. Oh man, about Hindo, bro. That's great. Oh, well, we were uh, we were really close to this being a much more somber podcast, but oh no, friends, oh no, never in doubt, never, never once in doubt. Welcome, friends, to episode 373 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall in Crime, Wes Bradshaw. Wes, it's it's coming home. It looks like it's finally coming home, man. And uh, wow, we are gonna we are gonna talk about the uh, quarters and semis of Euro 2020. Uh, we will briefly touch on uh, Copa America 2021, as that is also heading to its final uh, in what could prove to be an actually interesting final opposed to the rest of the tournament. And uh, we remember that the CONCACAF Gold Cup is happening. Gold Cup! Well done, everyone. Well done, everyone. Uh, we also have uh, a slight bit of transfer news as, uh, as we are getting to the end of Euro 2020. Uh, that will be definitely picking up steam after that. Uh, and of course, have some news and notes. We'll pimp the athletic, and uh, we'll even do a little watch for to wrap things up. As always, podcast presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, just like it's not gonna stop coming home. 
Um, real quick, let's go through the matches. We had uh, quarters and semis in the Euros since we last potted. Um, let's kick it off with uh, the quarters, the results from those. Uh, Italy gets past Belgium 2-1. Wes Bradshaw said it. Belgium was was running out of fresh bodies, and it seemed like that reared its ugly head. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Spain to penalties against Switzerland, and one of the worst penalty shootouts you will ever see. But Spain do get through against Switzerland. Uh, England, as we know, never in doubt. 4-0 winners over Ukraine. And Denmark, plucky Denmark, with a 2-1 win over the Czech Republic. And then the semis over at Wembley. Uh, Italy with another penalty shootout. Uh, Italy, knockout staged for the cycle. They won in added extra time. They won in normal time. And they won in penalties. So they are they are heading to the final after winning the penalties 4-2 over Spain. Poor Alvaro Morata. And uh, England in extra time. Their first, their first spot of extra time this tournament. Win two one over Denmark. Um, Wes, let's take the top half of the bracket first. Uh, Italy beating Belgium before they tr- they they uh, they knocked out Spain. Uh, a couple of very good games, and uh, I think a lot of what you talked about in our preview last week kind of came to fruition. As I mentioned, Belgium just started running out of people. They didn't have Ed Nazard, uh, or sorry, they did have Ed Nazard. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, though, was very ineffective um, for for large stretches of the match. Um, and then, as we also talked about, Spain Spain were close, but just didn't work. Uh, were about a little ahead of schedule in their development, and thus England or sorry Italy goes through to the final from that side. West. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Italy, I think Italy have by far been the best team on that side of the bracket. Uh, very much well-deserved being there. Hard felt for the Belgians, who probably really were the most talented team there. You know, uh, I hate to say, once somebody starts talking about your golden generation, I speak from experience, things don't usually end well for that. Um. And unfortunately for Belgium, it looks like uh, the golden generation for the Belgians is coming to an end. And they'll do it without ever really achieving much of anything. I mean, a handful of quarterfinals. I don't think they ever even made a semifinal with that group. If I'm not Did mistaken. they make semis in so. the last World Cup? Did they make the semis? Uh, World Cup 2018. Let me check. I thought they lost to France in the semis, but I could be wrong. I will I will double-check this. Uh, either way, um, it was a group that, you know, for years they were the dark horse. They were the dark horse. Um, mm-hmm. Just never really able to put it together at a big tournament um, and finish it off. And, it, you know, for all the talent they had, it was a little disappointing. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's how it goes. And uh, for Belgium, they are out of it. The Italians um, are your well to me your well deserved uh, winners uh, on that side. Spain, oh, everybody was talking about Spain being bad because they scored ten goals in two matches. Yeah, but like, half those seem to be own goals, and that just got really funky. I mean, I I, I never trusted the Spanish team. 
in a big situation. And the problem is you have Alvaro Morata as one of your main guys. Ah. And it's like you said, it's like Chelsea broke Alvaro Morata a few years ago, and he just hasn't been the same since. Yeah, it's it's been rough for him. Um, I did check, yes, uh, Belgium did actually make it to the third place match in uh, the World Cup 2018. England 2-0 that one. Um, that was a weird tournament, though. Like uh, Russia beat Spain in penalties in the round of 16. Um, but uh, And I, I do think that you hit the nail on the head with this. And this was something I was going to bring up later in news and notes. We can bring it up now. Um, Adam Crafton wrote an article for The Athletic. And you know how much we love The Athletic here. Uh, Adam Crafton, though, running uh, an article, have Belgium's golden generation really failed? Um, and I think he he kind of came to the standpoint of, you know, when when you don't have the history, when you don't have the the population that a country like Belgium does, you know, is is not winning a tournament, one of the one of the big tournaments, really that much of a really enough to consider your golden generation a failure. You know, you mentioned England's golden generation. England has not, it's been a while since they won stuff, but they have won stuff in the past. And I think people, because of it being where the Premier League is, have a higher expectation. They have a bigger talent to pull from. Uh, Belgium, this doesn't come around every, every, every four years for them. Um, so that there was that argument made. There was also the argument made that after, like some of their incredibly skilled players, you had people like Marwin Fellaini and um, uh, Divock Origi and Michi Bashwai having to to pull big minutes, and that's just not a lot of depth there for Belgium. And then you know I think just you know just considering that maybe maybe this wasn't a flop, but I would still say even with this this point and these points brought up. I think I'm kind of in line with you, Wes. That you know, at at certain at a certain point, you, you went from dark horse to being a potential tournament favorite, and yes, you did lose to France, who was great one nil, but you only lost one nil. You could have won that match and made it to the World Cup final, and probably been favorites against Croatia in 2018. You had chances to win tournaments. And I think still, even though, even with all the the factors around it, I still think the fact that this group for Belgium didn't manage to actually pull through and win something is still a failure. They shouldn't be hung in the stocks and have tomatoes thrown at them, but they're, it, it, they, they failed. That This was a very strong group and they failed to win any trophies. And, and if, you know, I, I know it's a cliche, be a cliche, but that's what we're here for is to win trophies and they didn't do it. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree, you know, sorry, but you know, you call it a golden generation and they had some absolutely fantastic players at every position. That's the thing. I mean, they had guys at every position, world-class guys. And, yeah, I understand, oh, well, you know, they don't have the history. Well, you know what? This group was making their own history because they were fantastic at club level. I mean, these were some of the best players in the world. Yes. And it just seemed like they underperformed every time when it really mattered. And at the end of the day, that's an underachievement. I don't care if, well, they never won anything before. A big fucking deal. You know, the England golden generation, I say that with air quotes, 
was 40 <laughs> years after they won the World Cup. I mean, it's not like any of those guys were around then. So, you know, does, yeah. it, does it make Uruguay, does it mean like Uruguay can't do anything because they won a World Cup back in the 30s? I mean, who cares what you did 20, 30 years ago when it comes to that? You know, they were... The England Golden Generation was an interesting thing. They were big names in the biggest league in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. They were never a great team, though. This Belgium squad was supposed to be... I think this Belgium squad was actually a better team than those England squads. Mm-hmm. And I think they just... I think they, later they got in the tournament, the weight just fell on them. But I really think this time the biggest problem was just everybody was almost dead for them by the time they got the, to the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they were really strong. Uh, I know some people keep mentioning, they're like, well, they were never the favorites going into any one of their tournaments. Well, favorites don't always win tournaments, and they were, at least for World Cup 2018 and Euro 2016, they were considered strong candidates to win. Even if they weren't the money the money favorites, they were still, especially Euro 2016 going out to Wales, they were still in very good positions to win tournaments. And they just, they never took that next step. Um, so they, will, they were very good. They should be remembered, I think, maybe by the Belgians fondly. You don't have to, you don't have to win things sure. to be remembered fondly. But it it doesn't mean you didn't fail. Um, this group, I, I would imagine if you if you went up to Roberto Martinez, either at this tournament or the last one, but it, they, their expectation was to win the tournament. And anything else would have been considered a failure. Whatever you want to say, whether, whether France was just that good or not, France could have been beaten. And that was, that was it. And they didn't do it. So unfortunate but still interesting to think and again we're not saying belgium was bad or that belgium deserved to be crucified for this no it just they failed and and that and you know what uh how many uh 24 teams went to euros 23 of them are gonna fail like that's that's just how it is um and one's gonna be really good so and then we all know which team that is um, that team might <laughs> look like it's going to be England. Um, for, for most of this tournament, they look like they're just going to be really strong. They had, you know, the, the comfortable at the end victory against Germany. They had an actually comfortable victory against Ukraine. Um, and then a, 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 a brief touch with destiny as she moved from Denmark to England's side uh, in this ra- this semifinal match, um, but England in the, the the quarterfinals against Ukraine were just imperious. Kane with the brace, uh, Maguire old slaphead with the goal. Jordan Henderson, the one we talked about earlier, <laughs> the becoming the most successful English player ever. <laughs> you damn right, you damn right, he will be. Uh, um, this, he he even scored for fun. Um, so that was that was a big win for them. And then England today, uh, coming back after giving up their first goal of the entire oh, fly, tournament fly, fly. to Mikhail Damsgaard. Uh, England come back, have a nice build-up play. Kane slots in uh, Raheem Sterling, and uh, they are able to get uh, eventually the goal. It would go down as an own goal, but still a great run-through by England then. And then at the end, in added extra time, 
Harry Kane takes the penalty after Sterling definitely did not dive in the box. <laughs> uh, Kane, what, what the the shot was saved by Casper Schmeichel, but Captain Kane was there to put in the putback and uh, and give England the two one win and send England to their first <sighs> final in fifty five years. Um, Wes, we we've been I think. We can say what we want about the England it's coming home thing. Um, I think there's always been, at least for me, when discussing this England squad, there's no doubt how talented they are. It's would they rise up to the occasion? Would they rise past the all the history, all the self-doubt that has plagued England for so long? Would they finally come good? And really, up to this Denmark match... They've played exceptionally well this tournament, especially defensively. And even still against Denmark, they've played very, very well. Um, Closer maybe than it should have been. Uh, England, especially in the second half, looked like they should have scored uh, well before it had to go to extra time. But this England team has shown strength. They've shown resilience. And... Damn, damn if they're not starting to look like maybe the actual best team in this tournament by the end. It's a crazy thing. England uh, yeah. England living up to hype. Who the, who the hell would have ever thought it? England living up to Shocking. hype. Shocking. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the Ukraine game, that was, a, that was a match. I think everybody knew just how completely overmatched Ukraine were going into that. Uh, we really got to see the... Um, the depth that England had, you know, when you can make that kind of, those kind of changes like uh, Gareth Southgate was able to do in the quarterfinal of a major <laughs> European tournament. Um, and then people say, well, why don't you play this guy? Why don't you play this guy? <clears throat> um, he's blessed with an absolutely deep, talented group of players, especially up front, especially up front. Um, you know, really, we you go back to the World Cup in 2018 when England made that semifinal run, and I, I really think that that's what they they are really benefiting from that. Um, the fact that they they exercise some demons in that tournament, and I think England kind of showed themselves, hey, you know what, we we are not. We are not the England of old, you know, just because we're wearing this shirt doesn't mean that, you know, all the sins of, of earlier generations, it doesn't mean that we have to repeat them. And I think guys really took a lot from that semifinal appearance in the World Cup. And I mean, they've just gone with it since. And Southgate has, I think for the most part, um, gotten the... Uh, the trust of the England supporters. And I mean, that's a big thing, you know, supporters in England can make you or break you. Oh yes. And they were kind of teetering after that Scotland match. <laughs> uh, but England got the biggest thing for England. They got right back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have a slip up against, uh, I believe it was Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have a slip up. They didn't have another dull, um, draw they came out they got back to doing what they did best and they got it done yeah this England squad as we said they do they've got so much depth in the front 
But Southgate has also kind of ignored the call to, oh, you got to play all out. You got to play all out football. Why aren't you playing this guy? You got to play all out. And he's, he's really stuck to his game plan. And I will give Gareth Southgate all the credit in the world because once again, man, you know, the, the English fans are absolutely brutal. The English media even more so. The, the English media and the fans really feed off each other. And, you know, once again, people call, oh, you know, he's got to play James Sancho. Well, you know what? That just wasn't his plan. Sancho did play against Ukraine when he felt, hey, this is a good spot for him, and he played well, and they scored a lot of goals. But Sancho hasn't been an integral part of every match here. And right now, Gareth Salik is just at a point when he does something, it seems to work. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, who who's going to keep arguing with this guy? <laughs> I mean, he is he as the England manager, one of the toughest jobs in the world because you have to deal with those two things: the English fans and the uh, the English media. And Gareth Southgate has pushed the right buttons. He's remained calm and did fifty five years of hurt. And football's coming up. It, it looks it's right like there. it's going on. I mean, England are sitting with the final in Wembley, playing the best football an English squad has played in probably 55 years. Yeah. If, if now win, it's kind of the deal right now with England, if now win. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's just... It's been an incredible run mm-hmm. to this point. It's been an incredible run, and um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it ends on Sunday. Uh, you, you know me, I'm one of those guys that uh, when, when something happens, I, I seem to think things happen for a reason, and you know, for me, I just don't see them getting this far and falling apart, even though Italy's going to be tough as nails. Just think it's coming home. Coming home. Um, also, uh, commiserations uh, to Denmark. Um, they they had a hell of a tournament. Um, as of now, they are through. They're, of the six teams England has played, Denmark's the only team that scored it. And mm-hmm. the goal they scored in this match was an absolute worldie from Domsgaard. Great oh, free yeah. kick from him. Um, so just just absolutely great team played with a lot of heart, super super well done for Denmark. They should, you know, we we talked about how or I mentioned earlier how uh, twenty three teams were going to leave this tournament as failures. Denmark might be the exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with everything they had to fight through, whether that from the opening match to coming all the way through, just a great job from them. Um, and that's that's really big for them. Casper Gilman. Uh, with a great showing with his team here. Um, but unfortunately, their road does end here. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I I didn't notice anything. It seemed more tactical than anything that Jack Grealish came off uh, just about yeah. you know, yeah, 35 was, minutes was, into his playtime. It was definitely tactical. 
Yeah, I, I think it was just a little surprising since he was one of the people that he was like the first substitute that came on right. in in normal time, and then he was the one that came on off for Trippier, I should say, uh, to start the uh, the second half of extra time. Um, so that was a little early, but it seems like he's fine. Um, so it didn't seem like it was right. an injury related substitution. So that's good because you know I I think that this was kind of a joke, and when it was the more cynical takes on Southgate selections. Uh, this was this was this was I would have said this more sarcastically, but super sub Jack Grealish has a real nice ring to it. And uh, I tell you what, if if he comes out, he could be again the difference against Italy because um, he hasn't played a ton. And if he comes out again in the final 20, 25 minutes of normal time against Italy, running against higher legs against the somewhat older defense, Bonucci, Chiellini. Um, that that could absolutely unlock him, and uh, and just be absolutely devastating for England. Um, so we'll see. But man, this is it. It really does seem like it's all gelled together at the perfect time, like you said, West for England. And uh, I I don't know that they'd necessarily be favorites. I think it's very close going to their match against Italy. But I think they all believe they can win this match. And I, I think that says a lot about an England side. So it's it's going to be a hell of a match on Sunday. It is. It is. And I am I'm ready for it. This is this has been I will I will say this. And Wes, you can give your thoughts, too. Um, so far, this has been one of the best tournaments I can remember. Um, just for the fact that nearly every game was competitive. Not every game that went to extra time went to penalties. Like the only match that wasn't super competitive, I think, was England Ukraine, and that that was essentially it. Like every one of these matches has been fun. Every one of them has been okay. Maybe Denmark Wales. Denmark Wales also wasn't very competitive. <laughs> um, but that was also surprising because Denmark exploded for four goals. Um, but I think Wes, this is you know usually you like. You'll maybe have some exciting round of 16 matches and then it's, well, we're going to play for one goal in the quarterfinals and semis and hope we hang on for that one goal victory. And it, it hasn't seemed like there's been a lot of that. It's been teams really playing for it. And and I, at least from my impression of this tournament, I think it's been very exciting. It's one of the better full tournaments I've seen in a long time. Uh, it has been, you know, the... I think one of the things has been that the normal amazing teams haven't quite been that amazing. Sure. Um, so it's been, you know, it's kind of like other teams have had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Germany wasn't Germany. France ended up crashing out. Um, you know, Portugal crashed out pretty early. Just basically that entire group. But, um I think that's made it a more interesting tournament to the more neutral fan because it's not just the same people overall. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's that's made it really enjoyable. That and the fact that it's just, it's been, I don't want to say it's been the highest level of play, but it's just, it's been an open tournament. You don't have yes. a bunch of teams just, sitting behind the ball, playing ultra-defensive. You know, they're playing modern football. Uh, people are going at each other. Um, 
they're trying to score goals. Guys are young and exciting. Uh, the managers are forward thinking. You know, it's it's just it's it's been a it's really it's been a breath of fresh air. It really has been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I and I think you nailed that on the head. I, I do think like there's been a lot of stretches where the football hasn't been very good, but it's been entertaining. And I think part of that, the fact that it hasn't been good, has made it entertaining. You've had errors, you've had breakaways, you've had teams not just sitting back. You've had them actually trying to get out there. There's no, there's no sit ten men back and defend a one goal lead. There's, they're, they're being active. They're going for it, um, and that's been very exciting to watch. So uh, hopefully that continues on Sunday. Uh, with Italy versus England to close out uh, a great Euro 2020 slash 2021. And Wes, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your prediction for this final. Final score. England won. Italy won. England win on penalties. Taking it to pens. Oh my. England have not had a penalty shootout in this tournament. It's just England can't do that. England's got to go to penalty center later. <laughs> it just—it wouldn't be an international tournament. If exactly, this good. thing can't end without like giving every England fan a, a, a massive coronary. So, I mean, and if they did win on penalties, like how many ghosts would be eliminated this tournament? You, you exactly. beat Germany. Be no it, it would be it would be like the Red Sox in two thousand four, where it's like, not only did they win the series, but they did it against the Yankees. Yeah, but they would have knocked out Germany. They would have gotten to a final. They would have won a final, and they would have done it uh, on penalties. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, I'm I'm excited. This 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 is going to prove, I think, to be a very very good final. So we will we will catch that. Uh, at three o'clock this Sunday uh, from Wembley. And uh, you can be sure that if England win this match, uh, there's going to be a lot of soccer Twitter in tears over well, how, do, how do England get to play all their matches at Wembley? That's not fair, is it? It's not fair. I don't know yeah, why I'm doing English. I freaking love that. The English would be the one. I love that argument, by the way, because. Uh, that's right. No one else has ever hosted a tournament, have they? Yeah, and no. play all their freaking matches in their own country. I mean, yeah, France hasn't done that before, have they? Yeah. Uh, no one, no one's ever done that. Stupid argument. Man, I, I, I remember it was. I think it was what I think it was the 2014 World Cup. Brazil got to play all their matches in Brazil, and I, I've yet to understand. I've yet to understand how that happened. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like this is some new freaking phenomenon. It's the dumbest argument. It's, it's and, yeah. the, and the thing is, you know, think about if England had finished second in their group, yeah. they would have been all over the road. I mean, they won yeah. their group. They 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 were rewarded for winning their group. Sorry. Yeah, England England would have gone to uh, Copenhagen, then St. Petersburg, <laughs> and then London for for their their three matches so far. If if they had finished second in their group. And they did still have to go to Rome. They did still go to Rome for the quarters. It just happened that that was also the most uncompetitive game they've had so far. Um, 
But yeah, it's like the finals and semis were always going to be at Wembley because they want to restrict travel because of COVID. And that's like one of the biggest stadiums in Europe. You're, you're going to play the big matches at Wembley if, when you're doing a tournament all over Europe. It's going to happen. Um, hosts got, there were multiple host countries and they got to play almost all their group stage matches at home. And then it was just sort of luck of the draw. Like, hey, guess what? Italy has also played three matches in London. They, they <sighs> haven't really had to go. That, they played their other match in Munich. They haven't really had to go that far either. So, yeah, they didn't play at home, but it's not like they've done a ton of traveling either. So, I... Eh. Exactly. It's just, you know, I mean, it's kind of luck of, you know, where you finish in your group and then you go. So, sorry. Sorry for winning the group. Yeah. I mean, and that's the biggest thing. Like, England still had to win. Like, if they had lost to Germany in the round of 16... Anybody, does anybody care at that point that, that England would have played every one of their matches in England? No. No, they would just made fun of the England again. So, it's so stupid. It's such a stupid argument. All right. Um, they played fucking matches in, uh, like, uh, what was it? In, uh, shit. Well, I just closed the tab. What was, uh, was it, um, uh, what's the, the one they had the Europa final in? Uh, yeah, Baku. Like, I love Baku. Come on, guys. We, we love Baku here, but come on. The, the, the tournament was all over the place. Um, Copa America also happening. Um, Argentina went to penalties against Colombia in the semifinals uh, that they won 3-2. That was actually kind of a fun match um, with uh, Argentina and Colombia both scoring in regulation late. Uh, Copa doesn't have uh, extra time, so they just go straight to penalties. And then uh, Brazil in the other semifinal had their normal uh, na- national pants shitting match where they won one nil over Peru and, uh, and, and, and we're finally able to get through. Um, so it is going to be um, Brazil versus Argentina in the final Copa does a third place match. So that'll be Colombia, Peru. That, that, that's whatever. Um, but Argentina versus Brazil at the Maracanã on Saturday, that is a great precursor to our uh, our Europa fi- our Euro final, excuse me, and uh, Wes. Even though I haven't really cared about Copa America leading up to it because their format is kind of shit, um, <laughs> Argentina and Brazil in a final in Rio, yeah, I that's that's kind of dope. I'm down for that. Leo Messi, one more chance to win a major tournament, to win an international tournament for Argentina. I mean, what more can you ask yeah. for? And Argentina versus um, versus Brazil. I mean, that's exactly what you wanted in this game. All right, hold it here, hold it here. I mean, hey, every everything lived up to what it needed to be for the final. Uh, go for it. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd love to see, I guess, either one of them. It doesn't really matter to me who wins. Uh, you know, obviously Brazil has my contingent of reds, led by the <laughs> most glorious of them all, Alisson. Okay. Um, and, you know, for as annoying as Messi can be sometimes, I almost wouldn't mind seeing Messi um, get it done just so people can get that shit off his back, you know? I'd like to see people get the hell off Messi's back and say, well, he never won for Argentina. Yeah, well, now he did. Yeah. You know, it's not the World Cup, but hell, it's the next best thing. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think Argentina fans would be fine. With uh, with winning with winning Copa, that would be that would be really big. 
Um, I believe this is the first time Argentina and Brazil will play in a final since 2007. So it has been a while. Um, but yeah, this is this is going to be a dope one. So go check that out. I believe that's on Fox. Um, so we will we'll be able to check that one out. And then, hey, the uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup is uh, starting this week. So, um, hey, go go United States. They're in a group with Canada, Martinique, and Haiti. Excited to see how they don't get out of this one. <laughs> um, um, but hey, the uh, the finals will be on August first. So um, that'll be that'll be our last little lead up. I I will say, it, I mean, again, it is CONCACAF. So how excited are you going to get about it anyway? feels real bad for CONCACAF that they're starting their tournament after, you know, the finals of both Copa <laughs> America, which, again, whatever you want to say about the group stage and the lead up to the final is going to be a big final and Euros, which has been insane, like Con- Gold Cup, even even more so than in, in, in other times. This just feels like the wet fart to end the, the international uh, summer vacation for soccer before we get back to... Uh, before you get back to league play and Don't that forget, sucks, we have the Olympics against... coming too, so that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that might actually be more interesting, at least from a United States perspective. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see because the, uh, the U.S. might actually win something there. <clears throat> I, I've, I've, heard, <clears throat> I've heard this U.S. women's team is pretty good. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, mean, I, I honestly did not even think about women's. Yeah, the men. Nothing, the men didn't nothing, even against, nothing against the ladies, but um, didn't even think about that. So, yeah, the men. The men aren't in there, so it, it can only be the ladies bringing it home, as, uh, as they have done many, many occasions so far. Um, really, the only reason soccer is still popular in this country. Um, so there you go. Uh, that's 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 happening. Um, there has been, as we hit news and notes, there has been a little bit of transfer news, not not a ton. Um, but there has been a few moves. Uh, Tom Heaton is moving from Aston Villa to Manchester United. That could be an interesting move, depending on what they want to do with uh, David De Gea, that situation. Um, Matteo Guendouzi, uh is moving on. Uh, it says another loan transfer, uh, but it looks like he's heading out of Arsenal again, this time to Marseille. Um, so he is heading there. Um, Jack Harrison is heading to Leeds permanently now from Manchester City. And it looks like Crystal Palace got rid of, like, most of their club. I'm just looking here on TransferMarket.com, and I just see Connor Wickham, Mamadou Sako, Patrick Van Anholt, Joel Ward, Andrews Townsend, Scott Dan, Gary Cahill, Nathaniel Klein, Wayne Hennessy, and James McCarthy all listed now without club. So I don't know what Palace is doing. Uh, we know that there's been a change in management over there. Uh, they look like they're bringing in Patrick Vieira. So I don't know if he's just bringing in a bunch of different people or what. Well, you but, know, most uh, of that team, most of that team was, they were talking about it was kind of the end when Roy was leaving because most of that team was out of contract. They're basically having to rebuild Palace. And yeah, Patrick Vieira, come on. That's uh. That's that's an interesting one. Um, uh, any now, obviously, Wes. You know, we we it looks like um, the Jaden Sancho to United deal is pretty much done and dusted. Um, is there anything going forward um, that that you're particularly excited about 
from a, a transfer perspective as we as we now get into the crazy season about oh. a month before before Premier League is back. And you mean my favorite thing is some transfer rumors? Yes. Transfer rumor time with Wes Bradshaw. Because I have a good one today. Um, well, hey, of course, um, things should really start cranking up probably at the end of this week uh, after Euros finish up and after uh, uh, Copa finishes up. Uh, guys will really get moving. Teams have reported, uh, most all Premier League teams are back in camp right now. Most started um, on Monday mm-hmm. or Tuesday. Uh, so, guys, get back in there. Time for Millie to go win the old uh, lactic acid test as he does every year at Liverpool because <laughs> no one can no one can actually tell me that James Milner isn't half cyborg. <laughs> That's why he's um, so boring. Uh, Pep Guardiola's come out and said that they don't have money for a big-name striker this summer. Yeah. So that must mean that they called Daniel Levy and he said, don't even try. Uh, 500 million. Yeah, 500 billion kajillion punctillion dollars. As Dr. Reed would say, or as our friend Donald Trump would say, billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. He just keeps going with that billions for as long as you want to play the clip, I guess. Um, yeah, so Harry Kane, ah, that doesn't sound great for him. Of course, who knows if Pep's balking or what. Um, seems almost a little more likely right now that Jack Grealish could end up at uh, Manchester City. Yeah. Um, you know, he he is, certainly has not hurt himself at all with his Euro performance. Uh, Aston Villa, if it is indeed time for him to move on, Aston Villa are going to receive a very nice windfall from the Jack Grealish move, if that does so happen. Um, just right now, I'm getting a feeling that I, I'm, I'm thinking Jack Grealish could be on the move before Harry Kane this summer. Uh, my Liverpool transfer rumor of the day. Dun, 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 dun. Reports that Jurgen Klopp is very interested in Adama Traore from Wolves. Uh, of course, last season... Um, uh, the move for, yeah, all I can think is my girlfriend calls him Kyle Drogo, and I suddenly just, uh, Diogo Jota, Jesus, mm-hmm. who am I? Um, all I can think was Kyle Drogo from, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, last year, Diogo Jota coming over from Wolves. Uh, Traore, a couple of seasons ago, lit the world on fire with his pace, his power, um, and this past season, only three goals and three assists was really down. Um, mm-hmm. Wolves are going through some transition right now. A change of scenery may be the best thing for Adama Traore to get that career back on track before it gets too far off track. And, man, would Jurgen Klopp just love a physical freak like Adama Traore <laughs> <laughs> to put him out on one of those wings and just let him run, run, run. And it could uh, it could definitely be something for the Reds. Uh, that said, we'll see. Uh, nothing nothing certain at this point. Um, uh, Ibrahim Kanate was introduced uh, to Liverpool fans here in the last few days. Uh, he is in camp right now. I believe he's in camp with the Reds. But yeah, other than that, next week yeah we check back in next week and we could have some uh, we could have some nice transfer news. Uh, going next week, but I'm looking forward to it because you know, Ed, I love silly season about as much as the regular season. 
Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, it is it is crazy. Um, we will see. I, I do think it's interesting. You know, I, it's always interesting to hear Manchester City say they don't have enough money for a top striker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's or, or or for anything for that matter. Um, I also I've heard some people say that that's also in reference to Holland. Um, so. Because because at one point it was going to be, they're going to be everybody. City's going to get Irving Alon and Kane and Grealish. And it's just going to be a smorgasbord sure. over at City. But, but sure. we'll see. I mean, we talked about it for a while, about how this, this year could be interesting after COVID. Um, and, you know, with Spain not having any money. Um, yeah, just, just Spain in general Whoa. not having any money. Um, what would happen? So uh, this this is going to be... Maybe even more chaotic than, than usual. And I got to tell you what, I am, I am here for that. I'm here for that. Um, so with that, let's, uh, let's hit the watch. Or sorry, not the watch for uh, Let's pimp the Athletic, Wes. Uh, anything you want to pimp from the Athletic and their, their stable of amazing articles. Oh, man, I've done a few this week. Um, one that I really enjoyed uh, for you Boston fans out there, Steve Buckley. Theo Epstein, Red Arbach, Bill Belichick, and who are the 10 best GMs in Boston sports history? Um, that's all Boston sports. The big four, of course, are the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Patriots, and the Bruins, all represented on this list. Uh, some really, really good stuff in it. Some really nice, fun information. Um, so, you know, definitely, definitely check that one out. Um, Explain, and this is whew, this is a fun one. Explain why Barcelona cannot register their new signings and what it means for Lionel Messi. Dermot Corrigan, a uh, uh, Spain correspondent for the Athletic. So basically, La Liga has like this sliding scale uh, salary cap, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so let me find the number real quick. So like three years ago, Barcelona had a. Um, they had a salary base on their team of 671 million euros, the highest in the Liga. Um, that was their salary cap number. Last year it was 347 million. This year it is 160 million. Right now, and basically what it is, is if you do not get inside the salary cap, you cannot register any of your new signings to play for you. Right now, Barcelona, now, of course, they've gone out and they've signed on freeze already. Uh, Memphis Depay, Kun Aguero, a couple of other guys. Those are kind of the big two that we, that we talk about. Right now, they have to cut $200 million or uh, euros in salary before they can even register those players to play. Oh, and by the way, they haven't re-signed Leo Messi, and this is this is one of the reasons why, because now that Messi has officially become a free agent, they have to get over that number to be able to register Messi. And it's not just register him in La Liga, it's to register him to play in any UEFA events as well. That includes Champions League. Barcelona are over a barrel. When you look at that salary, they have a hundred, uh, check this out, so 160, what was it, 160 million that they have to get to, uh-huh. tied up in three players. 
They have they have 71 million tied up in three players. That's oh, Coutinho, Greetsman, and Dembele. Oh God! You know, last year we were thinking, oh man, this could be the year Barcelona burns to the ground. No, this could be the year Barcelona burns to the ground. Oh God! It is it is pretty freaking amazing? <laughs> that is tragic. Oh, it is totally, totally tragic. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, woo, uh, but that's a really good article. They, they go into some better detail of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys that they've already moved out, um, how that didn't really do shit, how they really, really need to sell some big-name, uh, highly paid, highly underperforming players to try to get under this. It is going to be absolutely brutal. Trying to see them get under it. And my last oh. one, because you guys know, I love nothing more than these human interest stories where guys talk about their teammates. Untold stories of Ichiro. Wrestling <laughs> with Griffey, all-star speeches, and itchy wigs. This is one of the most fun freaking things I have, I have read on The Athletic. Ichiro is absolutely fascinating as a human being. He does some of the weirdest, funniest shit ever. Uh, it has been 20 years since Ichiro joined the Mariners. Um, just read it and absolutely love it. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the Zach Grinky story. People have Zach Grinky stories. Oh, yeah. And just wait till you hear people's Ichiro stories. Well, damn, that was going to be mine. Oh, um, well, you can so still I'm... talk about it. You can just agree. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Like, what one more do you need to know? Like Ichiro, because especially with him coming from another country and bringing that culture with him, oh, it just it adds such a lovely, a lovely flavor to it. Just that maybe the Zach Rinky stories are missing. If there was a nitpick that you could say about the Zach Rinky stories, it's I wish there was more Japanese culture in that. Well, now now you're in luck. Um, and also at the end, so there's a recipe for itchy wings. What more? The athletic is truly branching out at this point. Truly. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, but here's what I'll go with then. Um, this is from uh, yesterday. Here's why the Giants' new City Connect jerseys are so interesting, uh, so irritating. Um, none of these City Connect... We've talked about the uh, City Connect hats, I believe, on this podcast before. Oh, God. Um, these, yes, they were these, amazingly hard. The, have you seen these uh, jerseys for San Francisco? Uh, very hideous. Uh, it's 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 terrible. It is an affront to humanity. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's so funny because Nike sometimes can go like really basic and boring, and that's almost what they should have done here. Like, we see it a lot of times with their their soccer kits that they make. The, oh God, this is awful. This is legitimately horrific. Um, and so if you want to hear Grant Brisby writes, you know, a couple thousand words on why, why these are so bad. So if you, if you love, if you love, uh, sports fashion, uh, the, the athletic has had some great stories again, as we mentioned that hat article, um, this is another good one, but man, holy shit, this is bad. It's so bad. So go check that out. Again, that's, that's, uh, Grant Brisby over there on the athletic. My, oh, every new fashion choice, it seems like at Major League Baseball is trying this year. It's 
is yet another swing and a miss. There you go. Um, so with that, uh, we are going to uh, head over to the watch four. Uh, we'll do a, uh, we'll do maybe a, depending on what happens next week, maybe we'll do a, a top four watch four next week. Uh, but Wes, uh, right now, what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Um, honestly, haven't watched a lot. Uh, we, uh, we got stuck on the couch on Sunday afternoon after doing our yard work and watched season 23 of South Park. Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Things such as Tegrity Farms. Um... And just an episode where uh, Cartman had to get his vaccinations. And go figure, Cartman doesn't like getting shots, so Cartman completely overreacts, goes crazy, and runs around the doctor's office multiple times, uh, squealing like a pig. It's great. Uh, when Cartman decides he needs to get, or when they try to give him a shot, he uh, he strips naked and greases himself up and and runs around on all fours, squealing like a pig, and no one can catch him. <laughs> it is absolutely magnificent. I, I have never laughed as hard in my life, I don't think, as, as Eric Cartman running around like a, uh, like a greased pig, squealing. Wow. It is fantastic. Yep. Well, then. Um, so I'm realizing now, like, we're talking about, uh, like, season 23 of South Park. Uh, I'm realizing now I got out, like, midway through season 15. So there's both more and less South Park that I've missed that I, than I would have assumed. Like, I, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure if I, it's like, oh, that's actually a lot. Or, no, it's actually not that much. Well, apparently um, the season started getting so, shorter. That was only like a 10-episode season. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, apparently from what I'm told and what I, I'm being caught up on as well, uh, I mean, it's just some magnificent stuff. Uh, the 2016 election season was just apparently completely magnificent. <laughs> um, with, uh, with Mr. Garrison basically becoming Donald Trump. Great. Um, yeah, and, and in true South Park sense, they just, they shit on everybody. <laughs> because, you know, in South Park, why the hell wouldn't they just shit on everybody? Of course they so, do. Uh, of course yeah. they do. Yeah, so it's, oh. uh, it, it's pretty, what I've seen, it's pretty damn fantastic. Well, I, uh, just earlier today, because it is Wednesday, um, watched the uh, fifth and next to last episode of Loki. Oh boy! Oh man! Oh boy! We are uh, we have we have continued to go places in this show, and uh, I am very interested to see where this ends up because uh, there are only a couple. Feel like there's only a couple places, but man, this this week's episode was really really good. Um, yeah, I am uh, I am excited to see where they end up with this because there, there could be a lot of ramifications for the Marvel universe depending on where they go with it. So uh, I will also say, and I and I don't think this spoils anything because I can do it super vaguely. <laughs> I I did not expect them. 
to invoke Happy Gilmore. I'm, and I'm just and and once you actually catch up on it, and you get to episode five, you will know why I thought of Happy Gilmore. You will you will <laughs> understand. Um, wow. So there you go. That's uh, that's my watch for Loki is great. I'm excited for the season finale next week. Um, as as one name producer Jackie said today, man, it really sucks to go back to the to the way of waiting a, waiting a week for every episode. Um, but that's that's just because they make it so good, man. They've been making it so good. And uh, also next Tuesday, 3 p.m., I will be getting to see Black Widow in my first non-work-related out, outside-the-house activity since COVID. So not even that thrilled that it's Black Widow, but I am super excited to be back in the movie theater and uh, and be checking that out. So the tickets are the tickets are prepped, ready to go. It's 3 p.m. Uh, when we booked the tickets yesterday, there was literally nobody else in the movie theater yes. yet. So I... I am ready for a Tuesday 3 p.m. showing. The, the, uh, the reviews, the reviews said that Black Widow's really good. Yeah, and that's what I think. Like, I, I haven't been like super hype about Black Widow. Um, I think part of that is just because of how long it has ended up taking to like actually get out. But I, I'm very excited just to be out again. And I think, uh, I think with. Um, with yeah, just getting out. I think it's still gonna be really good. I, I still do have good expectations for this movie. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll see, and I'll be I'll be able to at least briefly go over it next week. And then once uh, once Wes has watched it, we'll uh, we'll have one of our football talks like we normally do. Um, so with that, we have come to the end of the podcast. Episode three seventy three is done and dusted. Um, but hey, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking Euro Finals. What, like, literally, what else is there at this point? It's Euro Finals, baby. Um, so we will be talking about that. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a super fun podcast. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so uh, thanks again to NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them on the socials as well as us on Twitter. As a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are... I'm at West Bradshaw 21. And I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, sorry, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube via our parent show, the All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks for podcast providers, including Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I realize I'm doing this backwards order somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. Podbean.com, Stitcher Spreaker and the TuneIn Radio app. That's it. There's another one that's not getting mentioned. They know which one they are, especially if you listened to last week's podcast and how much I hate them. Um, so yeah, uh, but again, we'll be back next week, and it'll be fun. Uh, we'll be talking the finals. Uh, but Wes, before we get out of here, anything else you want to mention? Uh, also, just a little something in for next week. The uh, Major League All-Star game is going to be on Tuesday, yes. which um, now coinciding means the draft is coming up. Mm, yes, that's true. I enjoy the draft, and the, the latest are saying that the Red Sox have a really good chance of getting Jack Leiter at four. That's the, uh, that's the, best, that's the best record in baseball, Boston Red Sox, um, at the All-Star break. First team to 50 wins, and we're getting the fourth <laughs> pick in the draft. 
I'll take yeah, I'll take uh, Jack Leiter. No problem. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Kamara Rocker, but I'll take Jack Leiter. Yeah, <laughs> well, he uh, that that last uh, that last game unfortunately uh, did not uh, did not do very well. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, so again, we will be bringing you that next week. Until then, uh, from a call and crime, West Bradshaw, I'm Eric Green. Rather say, stay safe Whew. and enjoy the football. It's coming home. Night, London. Just hold it down, guys. Hold it down. Because on Sunday, as Ed just said, it's coming home, man. It's going to happen. The first time in my lifetime, England is in a final. The first time in my lifetime, the Lions are going to lift a trophy. Yeah. Oh, Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson. Oh, my goodness. Those two, they're, they're going to deserve it. The two massive leaders of this team, they deserve it. My goodness. Oh, they really do. They really do. So I, I, I. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.